What's up, guys? Welcome back to Table 40. Matt and Leslie here. Uh, we've got a special guest, and today we have the Toronto Blue Jays young stud shortstop, Bo Bichette. Bo, I was looking at your stats. You've only played 114 games. I feel like you've been in the league a while. It feels like uh, you've been on MLB The Show. My boys play MLB The Show all the time, and so I'm always like, I looked, I'm like, dang, he's only, well, I guess last year was a shortened season, but I don't know. I feel like you've been around a little longer than that, but yeah, uh, sure. it feels like you've been around a while. Yeah, it feels, uh, it definitely is a weird situation for me. Um, you know, feeling like feeling established in a way because it's part of my third season, but also realizing that I haven't even played the amount of games that compiles a full year. So, uh, no, it's definitely, um, definitely an interesting spot to be in. So let's let's go back a little bit to your growing up. Obviously, your dad is Dante Bichette, who was I was looking up the stats. And unfortunately, your dad and I are both part of a club that I'm not too proud of. And I'm sure he's not thrilled about either. We are both career 299 hitters. <laughs> so I was looking at that thinking, man, I bet between the two of us, if we could just put together three or four more hits, uh, we'd be career 300 hitters. And our numbers are pretty similar as I looked across the board. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about, about growing up with your dad being a major league player and, and uh, just kind of what was that like growing up in a family where your dad was, was, a, was an all-star caliber player? You know, our kids, our two oldest boys are right in the middle of baseball and um, just kind of talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it's got its, its – um positives and negatives um you know I, I look at it all of it with with positives but there's definitely things that uh you know you can I guess kind of look at and people could take it as negative I mean growing up you know the target was always on on me and my brother's back um you know for me I like to look at it as a positive my, my dad brings a lot to the table um I wouldn't be where I am without him um he taught me so so much so early in my career that you know getting into pro ball and and seeing my teammates that had never heard of things that I heard of when I, since I was five years old. Um, so there's so many positives that I like to look at it from that angle. Um, you know, but growing up in the clubhouse definitely made the transition easier into pro ball, into the big leagues, um, all of that. So I think it helped me and my brother a lot. So I was going to ask you this morning, uh, we have a 14 year old named Ethan and we have a 17 year old named Jackson and we have two other kids too, but they're not, quite old enough to to care about any of this yet but I was talking to Ethan I said hey man I said we're talking to Bo Bichette today on the podcast any questions and so he goes yes I have a question for him and I said all right what do we got and you never know with this guy like he is so he's so off the wall and there I just had no idea what he was gonna have for you today and he said ask him to explain to me how to not feel pressure of being Matt's kid at all of these tournaments he was like everywhere I go everyone wants to talk about my dad and he goes then I get super nervous and wound up and feel like I have to get a hit every single time and and he said I just I just am, he's overwhelmed you know because we just got back from a tournament in Houston and and he did all right and um but he was just so wound up like he got there and he thought man I'm playing for this national team and everyone expects me to do really well and anyway so any advice would be great advice. And then I'll, I'll tell him at carpool line what you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, find, find your own motivation. Um, I think embrace, embrace the fact that your dad was amazing and, and um, you can learn a lot from him, but find your own motivation, you know, like 
find what do you want to be good at? What are your goals? Um, and try to live up to those, live up to your own aspirations. I think uh, you're, he's his own player. Um, you know, daddy was awesome, but, you know, he's got to go do his own thing and have fun, you know, have fun, really. Um, you know, I think you're trying to live up to when you're trying to live up to anybody, especially your dad, um, you know, you can put more pressure on yourself. But um, for me, it was always about finding my own goals, um, working as hard as I could to, to make those goals happen. Um, and I think that when you do that, you can, you know, you can be all right, whether you did good or whether you did bad. Um, you know, but for me, I think it's finding your own goals, finding what motivates you um, internally and not, you know, from the outside world or anything like that. Yeah, I like that. I think that that's a challenge and, and you know more about it than we do because you're in, you're young enough to be like right in the thick of all the social media stuff. And I think what you said is so smart, Bo, like being like intrinsically motivated versus like worrying about all the noise outside. And, and I think that I see that with my kids and it breaks my heart because I, it's like they're like they say all the time, right? Comparisons, the thief of joy. And it, I feel like I see that with my boys that it's such a battle for them. And since we weren't raised in the social media world, like, like you, you were, and, and you still are very much so. Um, I mean, I think that's a battle that I wish I could give better advice <laughs> with my kids. But since I didn't experience it, it's very difficult for me to say, hey, man, don't worry about that kind of stuff. But that's not really true. So trying to learn how to balance that, I think is, is important as well. But I love yeah. what you said. I think, um, I think, you know, he's going to understand too, that it's an ongoing process. It's never going to stop. Um, you know, like recently for me, I was struggling a lot on defense and it was totally um, inflicted upon myself. It was uh, pressures I was putting on myself. And, you know, so one day I just, you know, I wasn't feeling good. Um, so I called my mom and I was like, mom, I don't know what to do. You know, like I'm worrying so much about this. And she was like, Bo, I mean, there's, there's one person you're playing for you're playing for an audience of one um you know and and uh, I think that when you can kind of when you get that relationship with God um you can kind of put things in perspective a little bit more that really the only thing that matters is the effort you're putting in um you know the the person you're being things like that I think uh you know when you can understand that it takes a lot of pressure off of, off of your work life oh you're a wise young man my friend I love it so let's talk about your mom a little bit. What was, um, as, as baseball players, we're gone a lot. Talk about the impact that your mom had in, in your, your career, who the man you are, um, and, and kind of your faith and, and just uh, the role that she played. Obviously, being gone so much as players, the mom plays a huge role. Yeah, um, she's been amazing. Um, starting from when I was a young kid, I mean, my, when I was 12, my brother would have been 17, um, kind of on like the showcase circuit getting scouted. So it was kind of just a foregone conclusion that my mom would be with me wherever I was. And my dad would be with my brother, um, you know, cause it was a much more important time for him. So, um, my mom learned a lot about baseball watching me because she wanted to help me as much as she could. Um, you know, I mean, she would get on more than my dad. And, and the thing, the best thing about it though, is that, and I think it helps me to this day is she never got on me based on performance. Um, she would get on me, like, say I had a bad weekend. She would be like, Hey, Bo, how many times did you hit this week? You know, like how many times did you practice? Did you go practice this week? 
And of course, when I did bad, no, I didn't go hit because I had a good weekend the weekend before and I feel like I need to, you know, so uh, she would point out things like that. Um, I think that really helped me. And also when I first got drafted, I was like, mom, I'm kind of scared to go out by myself as a 18, 19 year old on the road. Um, and I asked her if she would come live with me, which is, you know, obviously you expect a mom to do whatever you ask, but she <laughs> didn't have to do it. Um, you know, so she came out and lived with me for the first two months of my first professional career. And then I was lucky enough to get called up to high, which is at home. So I was basically with my mom all year. And I mean, the, the way that helped me transition, um, to pro ball as an 18, 19 year old was, I mean, huge. And she, I mean, she still kind of does it today. So that's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm close with my kids too. And I think it, it, because Matt was gone so much, I think that um, we we do have a really cool bond, you know, with me and the boys. And so I love to hear you say that because they're not quite old enough to articulate anything other than, hey, will you make me a sandwich? But hopefully all of the sandwich making someday will <laughs> transition into into this. And so, so anyway, but that's really cool that she did that for you. Really so talk cool. about that a little bit, like getting drafted. So was that was that your goal was to get drafted high and sign? I know you committed to Arizona State. Um, what, what was that like? And I even read it somewhere where it said that you, you turned down some offers to get drafted by Toronto. Is, is that, I mean, is that, is that the story? Or tell us yeah, about your draft situation. Yeah, it's kind of true. You know, I never, um, I uh, never really had, I, my goals growing up were just really like to be the best player I mean, so when I was younger, my goal is to be the best player ever. Um, and now I'm starting to realize that, yeah, that's still a goal. But for me, it's to be the best player that I can be. Um, that's the real goal. But, uh, yeah, I never really had goals of, like, getting drafted. I always, like, just kind of thought of, like, I just want to be the best that I can be. So um, that day was very stressful, though, um, obviously knowing that I needed to get drafted to have a chance of being the best player ever. Um you know that that was a uh, that was a stressful day. Um, you know how the draft is. I mean, you got one team telling you that we could take you in the top fifteen picks, and then we've got another team telling you that you're a fifth rounder, and so it was a lot of emotion. But there was at one point where I was for sure. I I thought I was for sure going to Arizona State. Um, but at the last second, the Blue Jays called. So I mean, I turned down offers, but it wasn't necessarily to go to the Blue Jays. So what, what was how was that hard to, to not go to Arizona State? Was that something that you you were excited about, or when you got drafted in the second round, you thought this is this is what I want to do? Um, you know, I felt um, I felt like Arizona State was a great option for me. Obviously, um, my parents were on board with it, so that was huge. But um, you know, I wanted to go play professional. Um, I wanted to get get it started. So. I mean, there was a point where I didn't think I was going to go that day. And, and I had made up my mind that if I didn't go on the first day that I was going to school. And so I was pretty beat up about it. But uh, luckily, um, for a second, got a call from the Blue Jays and, uh, you know, the rest was good. It was interesting. I, I, I love your leadership style. So and I also love I also love the word of God. I love leadership. I love the word of God. Love being a mom. Love all these things. This isn't about me. This is about you. So I'm going to go ahead and ask like my question. But I watched an interview this morning when I was on my run, like praying through this conversation. And it was, you were talking about 
like creating a culture in the clubhouse and I'm summarizing what you said and, and about how you believe that will lead to um, a championship. And I, I think that in the Bible, Paul, you know, mentors Timothy and Timothy's really young and he's also a real good leader because of the mentors that he had had. Um, anyway, so Timothy's a real good leader. He's a real young guy as well. And so I think it was really cool what you said. And I think that um, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And there's a lot of maturity in, in the comments that you made about, about leadership. So I would love to just hear you sort of talk about that again. And maybe who's been your mentor um, that's, you know, that's kind of taught you these things. Because I agree with you 100% that a culture in a clubhouse is really, really, really important. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've had like one singular mentor. Um, but I've had a lot of people who have impacted the way that I look at not only life, but, you know, how a, a team, how a, a leader should act. Um, my brother, um, I remember when he first got drafted, he went to the GCL. Um, there was a really talented center fielder on the team and he slid into second. Unfortunately, the cleat got stuck under the base and, you know, you can think of the rest, but like, you know, two days later, my brother got his truck rallied up all the Dominicans, the center field was Dominican, and he took him to the hospital um, to go check on him. And I remember just like thinking of that, like, wow, like when you get into pro ball, like it's very like Americans, Latins. Um, and I remember seeing that. And when I got into pro ball, kind of realizing like, okay, you can bring people together. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be the way it is. Um, so that was a huge way for me, a huge, you know, example for me. Um, you know, I actually had a teammate, Nash Knight, in Double uh, A, who he was a huge influence on me um, with my faith. Um, he really helped me a lot, but he actually got called. He got sent down um, one day, and I come to the field, didn't know he got sent down. Um, Walking to my locker, and everybody's talking about it. Nash got sent down, and I look at my locker, and he left a devotional for me on the day that he got sent down. And I was like, wow, okay, so doesn't really matter what you're going through you still got to treat, treat people right um so they're like those are just a couple examples for me um but really like what I look for in leadership is you got to walk the talk um if you're gonna if you're gonna say things you got to do it um and I think also really focusing in on what actually matters um like for example in a in a clubhouse what actually matters is that we play hard that we're good teammates um, and that we prepare, that we're as prepared as we can be. That's really the only three things that matter for a baseball team or any team. Um, and so for me, like when I hear people talking about, ooh, why is he wearing this? Why is he wearing that? Why has he got those cleats on? It's like, hey, like if that makes him comfortable, as long as he's treating his teammates well, as long as he's playing as hard as he can, as long as he shows up to the yard and he prepares as best as he can to be ready for the game, um, you know, why are we really worried about the color cleats he has on? Um, so that's that's kind of how I look about it, and that's how I've gone about it. That's good. So talk to me. So obviously our boys want to be pro baseball players, and even some of the college guys that I coach, like they, they want to be pro baseball players, and they say that. And I think that sometimes I don't know that they understand, and I try to get this across to them what it takes as far as – all-consuming as far as you know waking up and, and having that internal motivation and what it really takes to be great 
and that it's a world game and you're not just competing against the kids on your team or the kids in your town or the kids in it's a world game and that it's and what it actually takes to be great and trying to drive that nail home of I mean yeah today you like your mom said are you going to put in the work and I, I guess my question is is when did that really um I guess really make sense to you or feel like that you really understood that you were going to have to separate yourselves from a work ethic and what it means to you to get what you wanted. Yeah. Well, they're not going to understand until they see it. First off. I mean, it's impossible to explain to somebody how hard they have to work. until they have to work hard to be good. Um, you know, but for me, it was, I remember like clear as day. My dad took the the hitting coach job in uh, 13, I think, with Colorado. And uh, I was in high school at the time. But when he took the job, my dad and my mom were like, hey, it'd be best for Bo to, be, to get homeschooled this year. I was a freshman um, and go hang out with you. And so I was like, cool. I mean, I'm not going to say no. I get to go Sounds hang awesome. out in spring training, yeah. you know, whatever. So uh you know, I, I get there and I'm watching these guys in spring training. Tulo's telling me, you know, to come take around balls with them early in the morning. I'm doing that. You know, you, you just like over time, you just kind of see like how intense the best are. Um, but for me, the day that it clicked was I was hitting BP on the field in Colorado with a couple guys. Um, and I was hitting it far, further than a couple of them. I was 14, 15. Um, and then I walked in and obviously Tulo's got the intensity he always had. Um, but Michael Kadire, every single day you'd walk in and he was doing the same routine every single day. It didn't change no matter if he was hitting good, hitting bad. Um, but I, that day I just kind of realized like, okay, I realized what it took. Um, and then I realized that, that I had the ability. So I was lucky. I mean, to understand that at 14 years old, I think if I never had that opportunity, I probably would have learned that at 18 when I was in pro ball. Um, but I, yeah, I was so lucky to learn that earlier, but I think it's just something you kind of, you kind of got to learn on your own because my parents were telling me <laughs> that I needed to work harder since I was a little kid. I remember going into the cage. I mean, this might help you, Matt. Um, I remember going to the cage with my dad and I, he has video of it. I'd be hitting off the machine and I didn't want to be there. I was 10 years old, whatever. And I'd hit the ball. And I'd look back at him and be like, I still got hit. Look back at him, like, are you sure we still got a hit? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's I think that just takes time. That's really good. I mean, how great's Tulo, by the way. I mean, we love him so much. And he's a he's, I just saw him recently <laughs> and he's still like super intense, intense like in a little yeah. shady. In a little shady. <laughs> One the first baseman said, How was it playing with Tulo? And I was like, Oh, it was good. He's like, intense and crazy and i was like yeah i was like why is he still that way he goes oh yeah i was like so okay, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> no i mean him and uh him and nolan arenado they both i just i remember just kind of gravitating towards the way that they worked um both had their head down intense um yeah so they definitely both of them had a huge impact on the way that i i uh practiced that's the same with Jackson. Jackson, when Matt was with the Rockies, um, our oldest son, he would follow Tulo around everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And Tulo, every time he would get a new glove, Jackson also got a new glove. And every time, you know, and so it was just really cute in our garage 
we're packing up to move. And I mean, there's a stack of just two low gloves. And then when he had the baby, now they're Taz gloves. And now we've got Taz shoes. We've got all kinds of stuff. And mm -hmm. Nolan as well. He's had a major impact on my boys too, just because of the same stuff. Like, like you noticed, you know, you noticed the guys that just do it a whole lot different than, I mean, I mean, everyone's talented in the major leagues, but there's a, there's a thing that both of those players had that my boys would come home and, and just want to be just like them. And it was that fierceness, like that, that intensity that you're talking about that drew my kids in as well. Yeah. That's really funny. So let's talk about, so your dad's your hitting coach or is he the assistant hitting coach? Is that right? Or co-hitting coach? Uh, he's like, he's a special assistant. So is he so with y'all every day? He's with us at home. Okay. So how is that? How's that now that you're a little older and, and he's, he's your yeah. hitting coach. What's that dynamic like? Yeah. You know, we've grown a lot over the years. Um, you know, and, uh, and honestly, I think it makes it a little bit easier to hear my dad's opinion when he's there every day. Um, you know, in the minor leagues, I remember getting a text from him after an offer and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm hitting, I'm hitting three thirty. Like, yeah, I looked at your minor league numbers. There yeah. wasn't many struggles. <laughs> That's why yeah, it wasn't look, there very long. <laughs> I'm looking at it and I'm like, Dad, I mean, I I just had to hit in 10 straight games. I had an offer. Like, what am I getting this text for? Um, but I think the biggest thing was I communicated with him that I didn't like that. And he learned from it. Um, and so now it's it's like a really good relationship. Um, he comes to me when he feels like he needs to. And I listen. I come to him when I when I feel like I need to, but you know, we both are just, we're both on the same page. My dad wants me to be the, the greatest ever. Um, you know, he, he wants more for me in the game than anybody does for sure. So uh, it's, it's definitely now that I've grown up and realized that um, it's definitely a, a good working relationship for sure. That's really cool. That's very unique as well. Okay. So since we haven't met, um, we became Instagram friends. I follow you on Instagram, like a lot of other people do. And I noticed that um, under your your name, you put Philippians 4, 6, which just says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. With Thanksgiving, present your, your request to God. And I love that verse because um, most people put, you know, Philippians 4, 13. And I was like, Philippians 4, 6. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> anyway, but... Is that is that a verse that's special to you for any particular reason? Um, I think um, I think just anybody can relate to it. I mean, I I deal with anxiety and nerves and everything just like anybody else does. So uh, you know, I think that that when you I've realized this that when you rely on yourself to get over those things, um, it doesn't always work. So uh, you know, just by prayer and petition. Um, trusting the Lord, trusting God's plan. Um, you know, that's not always easy. Uh, it's pretty hard sometimes, but, uh, you know, just praying for, for his help to do those things, I think, um, you know, has helped me a lot with dealing with anxieties and pressures and all that. That's so good. I, I, I agree with you. And, and I'm curious, though, you're very mature for your age. What, what was the catalyst, I guess, for your faith to take center stage in your life because it seems to me that after talking to you for the last 20 minutes or so that that you've really got your stuff together I'm impressed my friend <laughs> <laughs> no I'm I'm a mess um <laughs> yeah I uh no it's a it's a constant battle every day I mean you guys know um just uh 
trying to live the life that you know you need to. Um, but there's a lot of things in this world that take your attention. So, um, you know, for me, I think, uh, I think just being humbled in my life, um, whether it be in my personal life or on the field, um, just realizing that there's more, you know, to life than if I get a hit or not. Um, I think that I did so well for so long on the field too, even in the minor leagues. I mean, I didn't struggle for probably two years at all. I mean, not even a little bit. So I looked at the numbers. I was like, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, maybe I got a little bit full of myself, maybe a little bit. Um, But I think that when I went through the struggles, you start to, what happened was I would go home and that's all I could think about and it would eat me up and I couldn't handle it. So finally one day I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to allow what I do in my, in my work, how I perform my work to affect if I'm happy or not. And then I had to figure out how to be happy when I'm not doing well. So uh, that's pretty much what happened for me. That's good. It's true. I think all y'all have that moment. So also on Instagram and talking to a couple of your teammates, you're pretty good at tennis, right? And I saw that video. Is that your dad you're abusing with your serve? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that was actually pretty funny. That's, that's one of my good friends. Oh. Um, and I didn't even realize that he was, he looked the way he did on one of the returns. Yeah. He um, hit it. Like he hit it like a yeah. hundred feet high over there. Yeah. And then they like, post on, yeah, they posted on LB network and, and he was dying laughing because yeah. it looked like in the background, but not just a buddy. So does your, you and your dad play tennis? Is he a tennis player as well? Yeah, we, um, you know, my dad's knees aren't so good anymore. So uh, tough to really like get can't out. Can't move him but, around. Yeah. yeah, I can't move him around anymore. But back in the day, man, when I was 10, there's a funny story. Actually, we, I was, you know, obviously a competitive kid when I was younger. So I would take him out to the court and I was probably, I think 11, maybe 10 or 10 or 11. And I took him out to the court and I was like, dad, let's, let's play a match. So we play and he beats me 6-0 the first set. And I'm like two out of three. He beats me 6-1 the next set. And I'm like three out of five. He beats me 6-2 the next set. And I'm like, one more, come on. 6-3 the next. And I keep on asking because I know he's getting more wearing down. Him down. Yeah. Him. Wearing him down. Um, yeah, but he didn't let me. He, after four sets, he was a little bit. So, yeah. How old were you when you beat him? Um, I, thirteen, I think I finally beat him. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. My kids are like, uh, Jackson. Jackson's into lifting right now, right? And he's like, Do you think I could bench press more than Dad? I'm like, I don't think so. He was like, Squat more than Dad? I don't think so. I said, Why don't you race, Dad? And he's like, I'm gonna race, Dad. <laughs> yeah, racing. Racing's the way to go. But no, I mean. <laughs> I still can't even think about beating my dad in weightlifting. So I mean, I don't, I don't know when that's gonna happen. Yeah, he's got, he's got a little bigger frame than you do. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that went yeah. from, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same way with Jackson. He's got a little, he's built a little bit more like his small yeah. little mom over here than, than he is me. All right. So last question for me. This is the question we ask everybody. So Table Forty is the name of the podcast. So if you got to have six to eight people at the table. And what are you eating? So like you get you get a, a big meal tomorrow night with six or eight of your favorite people and your favorite food. What do we got? Man, you know, I don't I eat pretty clean, but I'll, I'll tell you what 
So I don't, you know, when you eat clean, you don't really have like a favorite meal. Yeah. Um, it all tastes the same. Yeah. <laughs> it all tastes the same. But um, I love some mac and cheese. All right. You know yeah. what? I'll probably go. I'll probably go mac and cheese and ham. From where? Like lobster mac from like Morton's, or you got somewhere you Ooh, like? Oh, you know what? Lobster mac and cheese. Yeah. yeah, I'll take that. Ooh, from uh, I don't know where from, but I feel like Carabas has some pretty good okay. lobster mac and cheese. Yeah, right. let's go with that. I All like right. that. And who's there? Who, who yeah, you got? Who's at your table? Six to eight people. We were we talking about like like friends or just Whatever. whoever you want. I mean. All right, I'll just go. I'll go. All right, well, Jesus got to be there. That'd be great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty. Plus, cool, he right? can supply the wine. I mean, you don't even have to get <laughs> wine. He can make yeah, it good. He probably could just supply the whole thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think MJ. Nice. Um. Justin Bieber. Oh, well, he could sing for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little music in the background. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Kobe, mm. Tom Brady. He isn't going to eat the lobster mac and cheese. No, he'll bring his own TV he'll 12. He'll bring like Berries. TV meal. Yeah. <laughs> Love a shake. And then, uh, man, I don't, not a whole lot of other people. I Favorite teammate you've ever played with? Favorite teammate. I've got a few, but I'll I'll say um, I was only with him for two weeks. But uh, Freddie Galvis, um, you know, I came, I got called up when he was the shortstop for the team, um, and then obviously when I got called up, I played shortstop, and he moved to second. And I just felt like when I got called up, that it would have been super easy for him to not treat me well um, or make me feel uncomfortable because I was playing his spot. And I mean, he couldn't have made it more easy of a transition for me. So uh, that was one of the, you know, something that'll stick with me for a while. That's cool. That's really cool. I like his table. It's yeah, good. that's good. I'd, I'd like to eat dinner there too. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting, <laughs> interesting group of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to us. This has been great. Yeah, we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. no Big fans. Yep. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time on your off day. I know it's off days are important. You stop it. Um, I was just playing the show. That's it. <laughs> you, have to, you have to send Jackson your uh, your code. He'll try to play you. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to Table 40 with Matt and Leslie Holiday, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. For more stories on sports intersecting with faith, visit sportspectrum.com.